Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I am so stoked. I have Diana Page on the show. She's a nurse practitioner, and also she is a burnout coach and has the Instagram Catalyst for Self-Care. She um, has a lot of resources and tips and actually coaches nurses and nurse practitioners um, how to take better care of themselves. And today we're going to talk about what is burnout Maybe what to, how do you know when to move on? Maybe some tools and tricks for helping yourself um, take better care of yourself and all kinds of other things. We'll just see where the conversation takes us. But before we get into anything, hi, Diana, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for being on. How, I always ask everybody this, how are you, like, how are you really? <laughs> I'm good, actually. I'm really good. Um, I work in outpatient neuro, so I left the kind of the bedside world many years ago. And um, you know, I use my own tips and tricks. I practice what I preach, so things are pretty good. You know, in the heat of the you know 2020 craziness, it was it was tough. You know, there were a lot of adjustments. We had to like you know, transition a lot of patients to telehealth and roll out a whole new platform. And it was like super stressful. And obviously life was just stressful, but I feel like we're in a good place. I live in Maine. So it's like very, um, I think we had like 13 new cases yesterday. So it's like very, very chill. We're like in a good place right now. I feel like we're good. We're vaccinated and we're feeling good. Yay. That's so great. That's so great. Um, I similarly feel like I mean, we don't have that few of cases, but we're in a little bubble here in Seattle and, and in Washington, our vaccination rates are really high. Um, so it's, it's just a huge, huge relief. Huge shift. Um, and when did you, when did you decide to start your own business, um, coaching nurses and with burnout? Or how did that come to yeah. be? So I a burnout survivor myself. Um, I burned out. <laughs> yeah. I Yay. survived. You survived. <laughs> there is. Um, yeah. So I burned out in my first NP job and it was inpatient. Um, I was there for about four years. Um, it took me about four years to realize that I was burned out because I had zero concept of what that even meant. Um which is partially my motivation is to just educate people. So we nurses, NPs, whoever in healthcare, um, just so we can recognize it and also like know when it's a problem and when we need to like do things to make it better. But, um, you know, there are a lot of things that were systems issues where I worked and a lot of things that were problematic with like the place in general, but also there were things that I definitely could have done now in retrospect that would have supported me better. I probably would end up like that anyway, but yeah, <laughs> I did leave, uh, obviously. But um, yeah, so I'm a burnout survivor. And then, you know, I was just doing life and years went by and I've just been kind of doing my thing. And, um, you know, once my kids were old enough where I had more time, I was 
really reaching out to people that I went to grad school with and kind of trying to, you know, see how people were doing. A lot of people were burned out, which I was like, how the heck did we get here? (laughs) This is crazy. Like why there were so many people that were just completely burned out. So I felt like we just weren't talking about it enough. And, you know, there's this, you know, I mean, hospitals don't want us to talk about it because they don't want us to think that we're burned out. So we stay, you know, Mm -hmm. like toxic work environments, but, um, I just felt like we needed to do more to just raise awareness and to provide resources that work to nurses and NPs and PAs and whoever so that they can work in the healthcare arena and feel fulfilled because it is possible to do both, you know? Um, so yeah, so that was my motivation. And I started my Instagram page shortly after my blog and just find it really a great community. And, you know, I've started my mentorship program, which, um, is all the tools that I've used for the past seven years, just kind of put into a curriculum. And it's been really amazing actually to work with these women and see the transformation over 12 weeks is honestly unreal. It's, I feel so lucky to be able to do that. So that's that where I'm at. is so cool. Um, are you, you're, you're enrolling into a new program right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually in active enrollment right now. Um, there are six incredible nurses in the program um, enrolled for the next cohort. There's 10 that I'm working with currently, and they're amazing. They're from all different experience levels. I have NPs, I have nurses, I have inpatient, I have outpatient, I have travel nurses, like all over the country. So it's been really, one just retired and then one's a new grad. Like they're all, it's like the whole gamut. So it's pretty That's amazing. Incredible. People out there, man, check out. Diana, Diana's, um, Instagram. And also I was trying to find your website. Where's the best place for people to enroll? I know we're just getting into talking today, Diana, but trust me, you're going to want to check this out. So my website I'm actually working on right now. It's under construction. So if you go, you can go to it. It's just my blog is the blogs are there, but, um, it's catalyst for self-care com. Um, but the best way to like learn more about mentorship and things like that is just to go to my Instagram and either DM me or look on my link tree. There's some resources and information there and my wait list is there. So there's, cool. uh, that's probably the best way to reach out. That is so awesome. I love, I love this idea. I love what you're doing. Um, Yo, thank you. And who knows, maybe I'll be a client. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so what do you do if you're burnt out at work? Like if you, like, how do you even know if you're burnt out? I feel like most of us know, but it sounds like some people don't know. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) burnout for me took me by surprise. So when you say that, like that definitely resonates because I definitely was like, oh man, I think I'm burnt out. (laughs) You know, it was like one of those things, like I hadn't seen it coming. Um, So what I teach now is just, it's very, very important to like do like self check-ins with yourself, like on the regular, like actually ask yourself, like, how am I doing today? I know it sounds really lame, but it's so important because if we don't, if we're just like the churn and burn and go, 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 we like go to work, go home, this, it's nighttime, we eat dinner, we go home, you know, it's like, if you have kids, it's like, then you're on kid duty. Or if you have a partner, you're, you know, trying to spend time with partner and you're pooped out and you just don't ever actually like check in with yourself and see where you're at. Um, so I think that's really the biggest thing. Um, I found like a post shift reflection really helpful. There's actually a free one in my bio that they can, anyone can download. It's the one that I've used for years. Um, but it's some very like targeted questions that really help you determine where you're at emotionally and helps you actually name emotions because when we name the emotions, it's a lot easier to kind of move through them. And it's important to recognize what's actually triggering you Mm -hmm. because sometimes you burn out. It's really important to know what's triggering you because some things are like non-negotiable, like, isn't going to get better. Like, is it a toxic person in leadership that isn't going anywhere and they're the, they're the trigger or is it like your schedule? And maybe that can be tweaked and you can have better quality of life. So knowing your triggers is actually really important as well. But burnout is typically characterized by three sort of main pillars. Um, You're nodding your head. So I know you know these, (laughs) but the biggest one, so there's exhaustion and it's not like, oh, I'm so tired. You know, I'm feeling pooped out. Like, yeah, we all get tired, but exhaustion 
that doesn't respond to the typical activities that would restore your energy. So that type of exhaustion. Um, also sort of that depersonalization where you have real apathy about your role. And then that lack of fulfillment where you feel like you're not really making a difference and you're, again, it's like that disconnection from your job. Those are like the biggest sort of pillars related to burnout. So if you notice any of those types of emotions or types of feelings, that's usually a red flag. But it's, you know, often characterized by physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, like even you're just mentally you're off, you know, you don't like you're making mistakes at work or you are, you know, mood things like you're more irritable or you're like kind of disconnecting from your social network, you know, um, there's a lot of things, but it's not the same thing as depression. It's not the same thing as compassion fatigue. You know, it's kind of its own entity. Um, but those are like the biggest things to look out for. But I think if you're coming home every day and you're just exhausted beyond belief every single day, you should ask yourself, you know, really do some of that post-shift reflecting or at least check in with yourself. And if you're noticing that some of these things are true for you, then, you know, it's time to really look at those triggers and try to intervene if you can. And if, if it's, you know, really beyond repair and it's something that you can't address yourself, then, you know, sometimes you have to walk away, unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately, right. I did it, man. It was the best decision I ever made. So that's (laughs) great. I mean, and I, I, I'm a like practitioner of meditation and, um, trying to really harness that self-awareness, but like it does take, like you said, a lot of, um, introspection and and thought and like paying attention to like, what is, what is happening inside Mm -hmm. you, um, to even recognize that there's a problem. Um, what, when do you know if it's time to move on versus like, or how, how do you, I was, this is sort of a, I'll just ask it in two different, two different questions. When do you know it's time to move on? I mean, I think that's different for everyone. Um, you know, some, it's really up to you, really. Like if you don't like your job, you know, you actually, like I was talking to someone yesterday, you know, if you actually are like, I don't want to do acute care, for example, like this was her thing. She didn't want to do acute care anymore. She felt like she was coming in contact with moral injury and things that were really upsetting to her deeply where it was affecting her values that she didn't even feel she needed to address her triggers Mm. or anything else like that. It's just, it's a deep seated, this does not align with who I am as a person and what I see for myself. Mm -hmm. And so she wants to move on and do something totally different, which, you know, is amazing that she figured that out and she has the courage to do that. Um, So I think that that's one example, you know, another time where you would realize it's time to move on is if, you know, you are solution focused, you set the boundaries, you talk to leadership, you do all the things to try to, it's kind of like a relationship. You do the things, you know, and then if you really don't get anywhere, even despite like doing what you felt was right and what you needed to do to like really support and make sure that things were hopefully going to shift and things just don't happen, then maybe it's time to move on. You know, it's things that don't change when it's so deeply important for your quality of life and mental health, it's an issue, you know, and if leadership isn't supportive or, you know, you have toxic colleagues that are making things really difficult, then yeah, you have to kind of save yourself. There is a tipping point, but I think that tipping point is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage you not to just kind of tough it out because you quote, feel you should, mm-hmm. or have to do, you know, X, Y, Z for X amount of time. Like I, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that I have to do it for two years, I have to do it for one. No, you don't, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want to do. And if something is damaging you and your mental health, it is not worth your time nor your energy. And you can move on. You have that, you have the ability to choose. No one, there's no rule book. There's this perceived rule book of like, yeah. you know, oh, I have to do med surge for X amount of time. No, you don't. You really don't. Like if that's not what you want to do, you don't. Yeah. I'm going to, I want to come back to this, but um, if you're like, if like, you are having a hard time at work 
how, and you think you want to stay, how can you like get re-centered with purpose or like find your joy or mm-hmm. so that you can, so if you really yeah. let's say you love your job and you're like, I really want to make this work. But the like first- the pandemic has fucking made me feel awful. And I, you know, like there's a, there's a, well, okay. So there's like a lot of different things, right? If it's yeah. like a mental health thing, like get a therapist, like there's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist, move your body, like do all the things that, you know, like protect your energy and boost those good neurotransmitters, whatever you have to do like personally, but then within your role, having conversations with people about the things that are bothering you, right. You can talk to an ally. If you don't have an ally in leadership, talk to like a colleague or like someone who's either like same role as you or like a, you know, for me, like I have an attending that I'm very close with. I'm happy to talk to her about anything. Um, And she's advocated for me on multiple occasions. But um, I think, again, assessing like where the problem is, is really important. Because if you don't know where the issue is, it's kind of like if you're fixing a leak, right? It's like, if you don't know where the leak is, it's going to be really hard. And you're just kind of shooting in the dark. It's like, if you know, okay, my the reason I feel really horrible right now is because I'm being bullied or it's because of all this moral injury that I'm seeing or whatever it is. Maybe you just need some time off. Maybe you just need a break. Maybe you just need to take some PTO and just like reset. I've seen many, and I've done it myself where you just really unplug and get out of there and you come back feeling better. Sometimes you have to set boundaries, like significant boundaries where you're not taking overtime or you're, you know, um, changing your schedule or switching to, you know, days or switching, switching to nights, depending on what your preference is. Um, but boundaries are hugely important. And I think a lot of times we feel really guilty for setting them. We feel like we shouldn't, the shoulds are like the biggest, issue. like the should I shouldn't, I feel guilty. You know, we want to like nurses in general, we want to be valued. We want to be we're very high achieving. We don't want to be perceived as not being a team player or being quote lazy. You know, we want to do, 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 and take care of people and like be really effective. But a lot of times we just, by not setting those boundaries, we set ourselves up to be kind of taken advantage of, unfortunately. And it's not our fault. It's just, we have the ability to self-advocate and it's okay to have balance. Like it's okay to take OT if you have the capacity to do it. But if you don't, like you're very capable of doing it. It's just whether or not you actually have the capacity to do it. Right. And that's very different, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think boundary setting is probably the most important thing when it comes to protecting yourself at work. But it's a matter of really knowing where the boundary needs to be set and who you have to have a conversation with, even Mm -hmm. if it's just with yourself, you know? Yeah. Right. Like I shouldn't pick up. Oh, here's should. I'm not going to pick up that overtime shift because I'm going to feel exhausted tomorrow and tomorrow's my day off. And I, you know, whatever, whatever it is like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, or maybe I'm going to take myself off the overtime text chain, you know, or whatever. So you don't even take yourself, you can get out of that equation altogether. Yeah. What, what is moral injury? So moral injury. So this was a, a term that was sort of, it's, so it's been used forever to like describe like Vietnam vets that came back from war that had PTSD that really wasn't responsive to typical therapeutic um, strategies. But in healthcare, it was sort of coined, so to speak, by um, two physicians, um, Wendy Dean and Simon Talbot in 2019. And they kind of wrote this article that basically said, there's no, like, it's not burnout, it's moral injury. And we shouldn't even use the word burnout. That was their kind of platform. And moral injury is just the concept of like, that we perpetrate bear witness to or fail to um, like intervene when we see something that sort of transgresses our moral beliefs, like our deeply held values. Mm -hmm. So, um, so like obviously with COVID and the pandemic, like there's been a lot of that, you know, or even like, you know, when 
you have a patient that you really need to get a med for. And the insurance is like, nope, sorry. Like I worked in epilepsy and a lot of medications we use to treat really refractory patients are brand name, like fancy schmancy meds that can be very difficult to get. And a lot of times the insurance is like, no, you know, the patient's like, well, I don't have the money. And like that can cause moral injury because you know, it's the right thing to do, but there's these things that kind of um, get in the way, whether it be, you know, system, it's a systems problem, really. It's not an individual Mm -hmm. problem. It's really a systems problem, but you're helpless to do anything about it. Exactly. And so like, you know, this person that I was speaking to about moral injury and her choice with jobs, um, you know, that she didn't want to be working as a, in the, like the acute care world anymore was because she felt that um, there were patients who, you know, basically um, were saved quote unquote, but for what? And she felt that, you know, these people um, were sort of in this terrible state of being. And she wasn't sure that was something that they would have been comfortable with if they had the ability to voice that. So she was having a really hard time thinking about that concept. And again, this is very personal. A lot of people do just fine with, with these hard decisions. Um, And but I think that that's another example where moral injury comes into play. I personally think, and this is a very, like people will have different opinions. It's controversial, but whatever. Um, I personally believe that burnout and moral injury are two separate entities. I think that moral injury is one driver of burnout because like, for example, like staffing, like staffing issues suck And they are a huge, it's a huge driver of burnout, right? Duh, we all know that. But I'm not like morally injured by short staffing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like moral injury is just one of the many, 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 many triggers for the bigger umbrella of burnout. But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like controversy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You said something on your page recently. Um, I think it was, well, you said a couple of things and I want to touch on them, touch on them. So I think you did a post recently that was like, you're, you're more than a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that in our like identity to nursing? Yeah. And um, I think this is a good, good, good topic to talk about. Yeah. This is, so this is major. This is actually something that I like, I'm really, I feel so deeply, like feel so strongly about. And it's just this concept that like, we are more than a nurse. We're more than an MP. We're more than any of that because we're just, we're, we're human beings at the core, you know, like being a nurse is just one facet of our being. Right. So there's like the, actually the first week in mentorship, all we talk about is who you be versus what you do. Hmm. Which I know sounds like super basic, but it's actually really powerful because a lot of us don't really know who we are, you know, and we are so deeply tied to our roles as nurses that we often forget like what brings us joy outside of work. I know I felt this way when I graduated nursing school. I was like, well, shit, what do I like to do? I don't even remember. You know, like, <laughs> what were my hobbies? I don't know. Like, I'm yeah. done. What? Like, did I have friends? Like, hello, anyone? Like, are you still around? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we as nurses just, we love to be nurses. Like, we love our jobs and we love, we work so hard to get to where we are. You know, it's like, we love to say, like, I'm Diana, I'm a nurse. You know, on Instagram, right. it's like I'm Susie RN, you know, like we love to be nurses. And I think that's really beautiful. But at the same time, I think it's important to remember like who we are at our core. And we like if we are our like our identity is not just nursing. We have so many different facets to our identity. And I do think that if we only view ourselves like in that work capacity it a makes it so much easier to slip into overwork because we feel like really good when we do a good job at work. Right. Like we feel really confident, 
but we don't feel that confident outside of work. So it's easier to like slip into the, like the comfortable Mm -hmm. I'm working a lot, you know, especially if, you know, when you're home, there's not, you're just pooped all the time. So it's just like, go, go, go. Um, But yeah, I think reconnecting with that sense of self is so, so, so important because it's also attached to self-worth and confidence and, you know, a lot of kind of deeper self stuff that guide our actions, but also just guide the way we talk to ourselves. You know, we can be really cruel to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yes, it's very important to just reconnect with but that's another reason why it's really important to slow the F down and just like ask yourself, Hey girl, how you feeling? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like be kind to yourself and actually check in with yourself because we don't do that enough. Do we you really think don't. great advice? Um, do you think that we being tied to being our, our identities being nurses and especially like for some of us hopefully this is not offensive to people I'm not trying to offend anybody but for those of us that are like ICU nurses and ER nurses some of us feel like or do you think it's a barrier if we are so tied to our identity and to like leaving or doing going like to finding something new if we're so tied to our identity as a nurse That's a good question. I mean, I don't think like necessarily for like switching roles, because I mean, a lot of times when we're switching roles, we're not like doing anything crazy dramatic. Right. I mean, sometimes we're going from like one inpatient job to another inpatient job. Like I'm an ICU nurse. I'm going to like find a different ICU because this one sucks and I hate my boss and it's terrible. And there's this really mean nurse that I just don't want to hang out with anymore. Um, you know, or you're switching to, you know, one of my mentees is like leaving the bedside, but she wants to, she really wants to work in like a specific specialty. And um, that's kind of what she's putting her energy into. Um, But I wouldn't say that, you know, it's more common that people switch roles within nursing than leave nursing altogether. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's just, I mean, this is totally like, from me talking to people, this is not based on any data whatsoever, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, I think again, if we don't view ourselves as worthy of things, then it makes it hard to walk away too, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think we put up with a lot. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we, um, we don't self-advocate as much as we should, and we don't, um, set boundaries as much as we really need to. And a lot of that's fear-based, but a lot of that is also like confidence-based. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and identity I, again is wrapped up in all of that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty com. I think it's more complex than it sounds. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you think that the pandemic is going to affect us as in the nurses and, and, and in the healthcare profession? This is just your opinion, but, or, I mean, you might have research behind it. I don't know, but. No, I'm actually, I'm interested to see like the data as it comes out. I mean, there were like a lot of surveys that happened right before or like during, but not really, you know, in the thick of it. Um, You know, like nurse grid did a survey and Medscape has done a survey, you know, there's like people collecting data. I just don't, I mean, clearly it's had a major effect, obviously. I mean, it's been devastating. There's been, you know, terrible working conditions in a lot of places. I mean, there's, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on just talking about this, but um, it's been like, there. depending on which institution you're at, which state, you know, the resources available to you, there's been some pretty horrific stuff, whether it be staffing or, just PPE included or just resources or nurses kind of thrown in like they're, you know, the sacrificial lamb. Um, You know, there's a lot of really like horrific stuff. And I know that there are a lot of nurses out there that have been very much traumatized from what they've had to see, but also like the lack of support from their institutions and the burnout you know, and that really makes it difficult to operate. Um, and it's not sustainable and they've been doing it for a really long time, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have yet to see the full impact. I think that there are a lot of nurses that definitely aren't like thrilled about where they are and that they want to either not be a nurse, which is really sad. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of new grads. I mean, honestly, I think of them, <laughs> like, I just like, it makes me really sad that, you know, there's so many new grads. I mean, I have one in mentorship who was like fresh in her role and she was like, they told her she had to be charged and all this other stuff. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like what, what? But she was the most experienced one there because everyone else left, you know? And it's like, mm. there's some really, really messed up um, stuff happening out there. And I think leadership really needs to like step up to the plate. Um, you know, there's a lot of just like in compensation. I mean, you could go on and on and right. on. Um, but, you know, also I think that the concept of like PTSD and moral injury is going to be something we talk about a lot. But PTSD implies that the the trauma is over and I don't think we're through it yet. You know, that's post-traumatic stress. We're like in the traumatic stress still. There's still a lot of nurses struggling. So, you know, that's honestly, like I think about them every time I put out these resources because I just hope that someone finds it helpful or it it empowers them to self-advocate or to take a day off or, you know, to just kind of find their way. Uh, I think there's a lot of nurses that feel very lost mm. and unsupported, unfortunately. so sad. Which is really, really, really devastating. But Yeah, it's weird. I, like, I'm trying to think of, I mean, like you said, we're not out of this yet. Um, we're sort of still, still in it. Like, how does, how does an institution absolve the sins of <laughs> the last 18 months, you know, yeah, or I mean, whatever, 13, 14, there's, 13 I mean, there's still a lot of places where staffing's an issue. I mean, I think a lot of like absent leadership is a major problem where they're just like, if I don't go check it out, it doesn't exist. I'm just going to pretend it's not real. You know, like, and then there's like nurses struggling. It's like, we need staff, like we need time off. And they're like, you can't take time off, you know, deny PTO, like lack of resources, just basic stuff, you know? Um, Even just asking them like, Hey, how you doing? Or, you know, giving them positive feedback because they're doing a good job, like pizza parties and, you know, candles on nurses week, isn't going to do it. You know, it's like really more than that. And, um, yeah, I mean, th- there are major systems issues that are at play here. Um, it's not going to be an overnight fix by any means. But I think the more we encourage nurses to step into leadership roles where they can create impact and, you know, create change. It's, the thing is, you got to have a seat at the table. You know, you got to have a voice. That's a really great idea. You know, there's, um, you have kind of like two... Well, maybe more than two. We sort of have like two camps. One camp is like, I'm never being a leader. I'm never going to be management. I'm not going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. in these roles. Um, Because for whatever reason, some people disrespect that, right? Don't like it. Don't like it. I get, I mean, I understand. I mean, there's a lot that comes with that, you know? Right. Right. That comes with that title. Right. Um, But like, again, if you, I, I mean, that's a, anyway, be choosing to become a leader or going into a leader, leadership position, then you have the opportunity to affect change and create culture that you want. But, you know, even if you don't want to be like in a leadership role, you can still leverage yourself to have a voice. You know, like where I work, we have like an APP council where it's like they, collectively because like generally NPs don't feel like they have a voice they're like much like in this like no man's land of like I mean, you know not invited to the nurse things not invited to the <laughs> so I'm just gonna be here doing my job <laughs> without a voice it's all good <laughs> so you know like that exists to create this sort of forum where you don't, there are like NPs like in leadership roles within that forum, but they're not like, if you attend to me, like you can just zoom in and like, 
ask questions or be involved. So there's plenty of ways to be involved. And I think even just simple things like if you see a problem or see workflows that aren't working, like think about a way to make it better, you know, or like start yeah. a wellness initiative. If they, if all your people are burned out on your floor, it's like, I mean, print out some of the crap on my page and put it up on a bulletin board. Honestly, like do something that, you know, may make a little bit of a difference or just, you know, listen to your friends or there's a lot of things that you can do that kind of put you in a, in a better place where you can advocate and be like, create a culture within the nursing community in your unit. That's like supportive of each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. part of the problem is too, that like the nursing culture, like often gets like doggy dog, you know? And if we really like stick together and support each other and be kind to each other. And, you know, I think that we can be really strong and powerful. Mm-hmm. I think if you do try to create something um, at work or in some capacity, you know, that I think has a positive impact on how you feel. And then, and there's that, what is it called? Moral, uh, moral satisfaction? No, that's called, or no, hang on. Compassion, compassion satisfaction. There's something about, um, there's like, it's sort of the opposite of compassion fatigue where I'll have to look up the term, but it's like by helping others, you by helping others or by reconnecting to your purpose in what it is that you do you, yeah, it's compassion, satisfaction, then you can sort of counteract burnout. But, um, I, yeah, because like one of the things is you like part of burnout is you have that lack of fulfillment. So if you're finding fulfillment somehow, then that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I'm, it will be really interesting, Diana, to see kind of like what happens in the future. Um, if, feels like there, it feels like there might be like a mass exodus, but who knows, you know, um, who knows? I mean, who knows? knows? There's no, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I think at the end of the day, like, you know, the biggest thing is really just to be willing to like put yourself first. Like, you know, we talk about like creating initiatives and getting to like all those things like, yeah, that's great. But if you really don't have the capacity and you're really because I've been burned out. I know it's like, sometimes you're like, I just literally am surviving. Like I don't have energy to do anything. Mm-hmm. And when you're really burned out, like your priority should be you and you alone. Because at the end of the day, if you don't nurture yourself, then you won't be able to function in any capacity in your life, whether it be relationships or your job or anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really paralyzing. So I think you know, when we talk about like, you're more than a nurse or like, you know, human first nurse second, it's, it's just really important to be willing to put you at the top of your list, which I think we often feel really guilty for doing, but it's essential. It's essential for survival and it's essential for your ultimate well-being. And once you fill your cup up and it's overflowing, the overflow goes to others, you know, it's not like, to everybody and then you get what's left which is generally nothing you know because <laughs> we have like you know like we just have right. a give, give give mentality and then at the end of the day we look in our bucket we're like oh shit <laughs> well nothing left over here you know so like I think if you view it like that where you know you fill up your cup you let the overflow kind of overflow to others then you're really coming from a place where you can really give in a meaningful way yeah meaningful fulfilling way okay i have a question for this is for the folks out there so let's Mm -hmm. say you've had an absolute shit day horrible day at work maybe someone listening right now has i'm sure that that'll be the case what do you do like what, like, I don't know, maybe something terrible happened at work, tragic, I don't know, whatever. We've all had those like really awful days where we feel, I don't know, it's like, what's a good way to survive or to, I guess, recenter or take care of yourself after you've had a shitty 
shitty ass day. Yeah. Well, I think number one, before you get home, it's important to do some sort of like going home, like routine ritual. Like for me, it was that going home ritual, um, the reflection, like I said, that's in, you guys can download it, give it to whoever it's like, yeah. totally free. um, it's super simple. It takes five minutes and, um, it's a really good way just to like reflect on your day because a, one of those questions is, you know, think of something that you did well, or like a, like something positive. I mean, yes, it also addresses like the negative, but I think it's so, so, so important to acknowledge the things that we do well, which I don't think we do enough. Um, and, you know, receive that, you know, cause sometimes too, that makes us feel really uncomfortable giving ourselves praise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I encourage you guys to like, look at that or I'm sure there's other ones out there. I, I don't know the answer to that, but looking at the post of reflection is key. Doing that before you get home is hugely important. And then having some sort of like going home ritual where it just signals to your brain. Sorry, I work in neuro. I'm a brain dork. Um, <laughs> it signals to your brain that it's time to transition home. So that can look like whatever you want it to look like. It can be super simple. Like listening to a podcast when you get in your car or, you know, having, you know, co- talking to the same friend or like a certain smell. Like if you have like an essential oil that you like, or, you know, doing a breathing exercise on the calm app or whatever, just, it can be complicated. It can be brief, like having a drink of water, something simple like that. But if you are consistent about it and do it every single time that you leave, it'll start to like, just train your brain to know that it's time to transition home. And if you do that reflection, you can kind of leave work at work because that's the key, right? The problem is we bring all the shit home with us and then yeah. we do about it. We vent to our partners, then we can't sleep. And then we wake up with pre-shift anxiety, which is just a manifestation of the fact that we didn't let the day prior go. And it's hard, but I think, you know, having that ritual, having those routines. And then when you get home, it's cool to vent, but maybe limit it to like a certain amount of time. Like, even if you just like set a timer and, you know, say to your partner, okay, I'm going to like vent for five for minutes, minutes. <laughs> because the problem is it's like, if you go, 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 it just like keeps that like negative juju going. So you kind of do it, like spend time with the journal if you have to, whatever you need to do, and then just move forward, kind of, again, transition out of that mm-hmm. emotion, move through the emotion and then do things that nurture you, make sure you're eating dinner. You know, if you like to exercise exercise, you know, do things that nurture you at night. Um, and that allow yourself to kind of wind down before sleep, you know, sleep is so, so, so important when it comes to stress reduction and anxiety. And a lot of times if we don't have a good evening routine, our sleep can be all kind of wacky. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's really personal. Like some people love to meditate. Some people, you know, they have kids and they want to play with their kids. Some people have hobbies like woodworking or, you know, art, you know, do that, whatever feels good to you, do it and make sure that you're nourishing your body as well as your soul. And, um, and that you're taking time to reflect on the day as painful as that is, it's, it's really important to do that in order to move through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all, um, really good. I know it's the, the, most of us, you know, a lot of people just, you know, vent or maybe we vent too long or we perseverate on whatever it is. But like, I love this idea of just like, being like, okay, really sitting with it and then putting it aside and doing stuff for yourself that feels good. That's just, um, I, I'm just thinking about what you said about like, if you don't kind of like give it some focused attention and then and give it, give yourself a break from it, then like you said, it'll just keep going and then go into pre-shift anxiety. Um, on that topic, do you have any good recommendations for what to do if you're having pre-shift anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with pre-shift anxiety, again, it goes back to having like routines and rituals in place. So 
first of all, like my mentees all know this, you start your day, not on your phone. <laughs> um, that's the number. The first thing we do in mentorship is they're not allowed to be on their phone for the first 30 minutes of the day, because there's a reason. Cause when you go on your phone, what are we doing? We're paying attention to whatever first, I don't know. We're going to Instagram. We're going to social media. We're checking our email. So yeah. scrolling starts comparison syndrome. You see Karen at the gym. You're like, oh shit. I should I'm, be at this. Yeah, like right. Loser. I'm so fat. Oh my God. Like, why am I not at the gym? I feel awful about myself. Right. And then you check your email and you're like, oh shoot. I have like this thing I have to respond. Like you start the day from a place of stress, comparison and all that crap. You just don't need that. It doesn't serve you at all you know, and it can wait. There's no, there's absolutely no reason why we need to do that. And people are like, well, my alarm's on my phone. Okay. Then get like, be an old grandma and get like a old school. <laughs> if you have no self-control, like you can do it. Um, so having a good morning routine and people often struggle with that concept. Cause they're like, they have this vision of like what a morning routine should look like. It's like, mm-hmm okay, well, I'm going to do yoga for 10 minutes. I'm going to do my coffee and then I'm going to do that. Da, da, da. No, you don't have to make it that. It doesn't have to be like butterflies and rainbows and crystals and like whatever, like you see on Instagram. That's not realistic for everybody. You know, it can be as simple as like for what I do, honestly, every morning is I don't pick up my phone. I do gratitudes in the shower because that's the only place I have silence because I have two toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> And that to me is such a game changer because if you start your day with gratitude, you come from a place of abundance, not lack. And you can actually like focus on the things like, okay, yeah, cool. I have to go to work, but like also reframing it where you use, you know, the terminal, like I get to versus I have to, right. So like, I have to go to work. I have to see patients. I have to do that. Yeah. But you know, I get to, I get to go to work. I get to see patients. I get to help them improve their quality of life, you know, and you start the day, not presuming that it's going to be a day full of shit. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a day and you're going to hopefully make a difference and it's going to be okay. And yeah, if it's a shitty day, then after your shift, you can reflect upon that and like move through that emotion. But if you start your day with gratitude and like intent, like just setting your intention of what you want to feel for the day. Mm-hmm. Like if you just say to yourself, like, okay, today I want to feel X and then literally think of like two to three things that are going to get you to that feeling. You can call upon that like your whole day, like, okay, today I want to feel energized. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that I eat a good lunch. I'm going to exercise when I get home and I'm going to call my best friend. Cause that's, I always laugh with her, whatever, you know? And then you can think about that. It's like, okay, am I at the feeling? Do I feel energized? No. Cool. How am I going to get there? You know? And then you can kind of call upon that intention. But that's how morning routines can serve you, but it doesn't need to be complicated. If it's a day off, it can be different. You know, you can have like your work day morning routine and your off day morning routine where like your off day could be, you sit on the porch with your coffee for an hour and, you know, read a book because you got the time. So it's flexible, it's personal, and um, it's super helpful again, to start your place, your start your day where you're actually nurturing yourself and doing something to benefit you and only you, Mm -hmm. you know, versus immediately like giving your energy to other people. I'll tell you what, I, I think I messaged or I whatever responded to something on your Instagram, um, that I told you that, um, a couple of years ago, I made a very conscious, conscious decision to get up just a bit earlier in the day so that I, would feel like I had the time to take care of myself, nurture myself instead of just running mm-hmm. because in the work that I do, oftentimes you're just running. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy for 12 hours. Yeah, so it's made a huge, huge difference. And, and that time for me, you know, I don't necessarily always do the same thing before, like, you know, today I'm off work. Right. But like mm-hmm. on the days that I work, just that 30 minutes more for me personally has made a huge difference in how I show up to work. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. And you're right. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, consistency is helpful in having it like stick, but it doesn't have to be the same thing necessarily, but you know, consistency of taking that time is really important, you know, because the more like, then you're more likely to stick to things the more consistent that you are with them. Mm-hmm. You know, 
we know that about habits. That's right. Um, what is it? 21 days to make a habit, 14 yep. days, 21, 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, Diana, it's been so great to talk to you. Um, yeah, been great. I, I want to just, yeah. What'd you say? We covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we did. Um, I want to just point out, remind everybody who's listened today <laughs> that it is so important to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And we're human. Like Diana said, we're, you're a human first and then a nurse. And then really just like she said, um, and I'm a huge proponent of this, but just having that self-awareness to understand like what it is you're feeling. Do you have to understand, like name it to tame it or name it to claim it or whatever? Yeah. It's so important. And we as and just nurses, we just give, and in, in the healthcare profession, most of us just give and give and give and give. And we're givers and, um, a lot of us are perfectionists and all that stuff. And anyway, it's good to, um, make sure that you give back to yourself so that you can continue to do the work that you do. Do you have any um, closing thoughts for the show today? No, I think that what you just said is really important, but also just, you know, knowing that, you know, burnout is not inevitable, you know, it's not something that every nurse is going to experience. That's another thing I hear all the time. You know, it's like, oh, this is just comes with the territory. No, no, no. Burnout is not normal. It's not inevitable. And there are definitely, like you've heard on this, you know, podcast today, lots of things that we can do to sort of set ourselves up for success, but also that we can hopefully change within the culture and the systems within healthcare that over time, hopefully will improve, but there's, you know, it's gradual, it's preventable, it's treatable. There's life after burnout if you are burned out and it's not a guarantee. That's a radical idea, Diana. I do think that what you just said is the idea that burnout is inevitable is pervasive in our culture. And I love the idea of challenging that and that it's not, it's not inevitable. It's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere, but it's not a guarantee. And there's, you know, there's plenty of jobs that, you know, you can feel fulfilled and not burned out. (laughs) Yeah. And like you said, you can be a survivor. I'm a survivor. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Like when you're in the thick of it, it doesn't seem like there's a way out, but right. Like there is life after burnout. And, you know, if you feel that way and you need support, please, please, please reach out. My DMS are always open. Like, honestly, um, I'm happy to help anyone that is feeling lost. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Please go to Diana's Instagram catalyst for self-care and check her out there. And, um, I'm going to close this interview off like I always do, which is stay safe and stay sane. And we'll see you on the next one. Damn, that was so awesome. Sorry. That's like so annoying. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.